Hey, I've got some exciting news for you. For nearly a decade, the Social Media Marketing Society has been helping marketers like you to keep up with the changing times. This is our private community just for marketers, and the doors are open right now. When you join, you get access to ongoing training and become part of a welcoming community of marketers who are just like you. Learn more at smmarketingsociety.com. Again, smmarketingsociety.com. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast, helping you navigate the social media jungle. And now, here's your host, Michael Stelzner. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Social Media Marketing Podcast, brought to you by socialmediaexaminer.com. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for marketers and business owners who want to know what works with social media. I am really excited about today's show. I'm going to be joined by Jasmine Starr, and we'll explore how you can sell using Instagram. If you want to reach out to me, you can email me at podcast at socialmediaexaminer.com. Let's now transition to this week's brand new discovery of the week. Helping you stay alive in a social jungle, here's this week's survival tip. This week, I'm joined by Eric Fisher with a brand new discovery. What'd you find, Eric? I found a really cool tool for people wanting to get into UTM traffic. Well, and let me explain what that is for people that yes. don't know what UTM traffic is. Uh, Google UTM parameters are um, things that you see at the end of a URL that might say source, campaign, dot, dot, dot. And it allows you to track inside of Google Analytics all of your activities. And we've got some pretty extensive articles on it if you go to Social Media Examiner and you type in UTM in all caps. One of the challenges with creating these unique tracking fields that go at the end of a URL is you have to use a clunky tool that Google uh, has. So tell us about this cool thing that you discovered. So this is a Chrome extension that allows you to have a little bookmarklet or a little widget up in the upper right corner of your, your Google Chrome browser. And so then you go to whatever link it is you're wanting to share and add that UTM uh, tracking parameters onto, and you literally just click the little button that once you've installed it shows up there and it this little UTM builder pops up and you can start to you can type in your source your medium your campaign and it then shoots out the final URL right at the bottom and my understanding is that this tool remembers the ones that you've created is that right so you can just go ahead and reuse some of the exact same ones you've used in the past Yes. So yeah, you can you can even set it up. Uh, one of the things it's it's fill in the form or use quick sets. So it, what it does is it allows you to once you populate some of these standard ones you use all the time, you can just do a quick drill down on the step number two, and it then fills in all the rest of the the uh, elements. This is a super. It sounds like a, a super time savings, doesn't it? I mean, it's oh, like gosh, yes. I mean, like we have a, a team behind the scenes that's creating the spreadsheet and then we have to pull it from the spreadsheet. And now this allows you to very easily self-service yourself from the Chrome browser. So what's the name of this extension? It's called Google Analytics URL Builder. And I'm assuming it's free. 
It is free. And the quickest way to get to it is to go to chrome.google.com slash web store. And then you type in the search Google Analytics URL Builder. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Eric. And for those of you that are uh, geeks and like to track stuff, I think this is going to make your life a lot easier. So really appreciate you bringing me that new discovery. You're welcome. I was recently at Social Media Marketing World, and I had a chance to connect with some of our best customers. A lot of them listen to our podcast, just like you do. Not everyone knows what I'm about to share with you. We do something special here at Social Media Examiner. The best of the best of the guests that you hear on the Social Media Marketing Podcast not only teach at our conference, but they're also part of our secret society called the Social Media Marketing Society. Each month, our top-tier guests who have been on my show are invited to train inside our society for an exclusive group of marketers who are just like you. The training is designed to help you go from being a passive consumer of content to a marketer who is in active learning mode. So if you're ready to make real progress with your marketing, you're a perfect fit for the Social Media Marketing Society. Join us by visiting smmarketingsociety.com. We've got a really big sale that is ending very soon, so don't delay. Again, visit smmarketingsociety.com and join today. Let's move on over to that interview with Jasmine Starr. To help simplify your social safari, here's this week's special guest. Today, I'm excited to be joined by Jasmine Starr. If you don't know who Jasmine is, she's a professional photographer who specializes in Instagram marketing. Her story starts with law school, transitions over to photography, and then ultimately to Instagram. And Jasmine is sure to inspire you with ways to sell with Instagram. Jasmine, welcome to the show. Oh, Mike, thank you for having me. So today, Jasmine and I are going to explore how to sell your products and services using Instagram. But before we get started, tell me about your story, Jasmine. How did you get to Instagram? Start wherever you want to start. Well, it was a perfect segue. You had mentioned uh, connecting with my story in law school, then to photography, and now to Instagram. And, you know, it started in 2005 for me. I was a law law school student. I had earned a full-ride scholarship to UCLA, and I really thought that's where I was supposed to be. Not necessarily because I wanted to be there, but it was where life had placed me, and I'd work hard to, to be there. And during my first year of law school, my mother had a relapse with brain cancer. And it just really, it really rocked our entire family. It, it hit us very hard. She had had a six-year battle and the doctors had said it, her time had come. Mm. And so I was just, I didn't want to be in school anymore. And I just wanted to be home with her. Now, my scholarship was contingent on um, me being a student. And part of the scholarship was housing in West Los Angeles. And when I left school, I also lost my scholarship, which meant I didn't have a place to live. So in the matter of just a few days, I had to figure out like what my life looked like. And I moved back to the one place I knew always had an open door for me. And that was my parents' house. And so it was late at night and I, uh, I was packing my car and then I climbed up the stairs to my mom's room and I crawled into bed with her. And I thought in that moment, I just made the best decision of my life to be with her. And then later that night, I walked back down to my bedroom and the following morning at the, like the crack of dawn, I opened my eyes and I see this poster on my wall of NSYNC. And I thought to myself, 
I just made the worst mistake of my life. There I was in like my childhood bedroom, you know, and I was like, what am I doing? I left law school literally on a day's notice and I just don't know what I'm doing with my life. But the thing that I did learn at the time was my mother was 50 years old and I was 25. And I thought to myself, I might just be having a midlife crisis. If I die when I'm 50, do I want to die a lawyer? And the answer was no. And it forced me to have this harsh realization that none of us are guaranteed a life until 80 or 90. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. And so I, I knew in that moment that my life was going to change. I just didn't know how. Keep, keep going. Um, and so the thing that I knew was that I wanted my, I had been dating my long-term boyfriend. He was my high school sweetheart. And we'd been dating a, about eight and a half years at the time. And I said, I want my mom to see me get married. That's the only thing that I want. And so we quickly planned a wedding and got married in about three months. And the doctors had said that my mom was not going to be able to travel. And I said, in faith, we are going to plan a wedding for 20 people in Hawaii. And no matter what, I believe my mother will be there. And against all odds, my mother and my father walked me down the aisle as I married my best friend. And we got married on a sandy shore in Oahu, Hawaii. And just 20 of our closest friends and family were there. And I knew that something was changing. It was like a paradigm shift and I didn't know how, but I looked to my mom with such certainty saying, thank you for reminding me how short life is and and, and making me evaluate what I should be doing. And it was then that I, we went back home to Los Angeles and I, I was crying and I said, I don't want to go back to law school. And my husband, my newly minted husband, poor thing, was sitting in the kitchen probably thinking to himself, I think I just married a hot mess. This poor woman, all she does is cry. And I said, don't make me go back to law school. And he asked me, what do you want to do with your life? And I said, if I I could just be a photographer, I would be so happy. And he said something that really changed the trajectory of my career. He looked at me from across the table and he said, I would rather see you fail at something you love than succeed at something you hate. And he said, for one year, try photography. And if it doesn't work, your backup plan is law school. And that's not a bad backup plan. And so that Christmas, which is two months later, he had gifted me my very first digital camera. At this time, I told him I want to be a photographer. I didn't even own a camera. And he gifted me a camera, a very simple camera. And I started my business as a photographer. And that first year, my business just exploded. And that helped me kind of identify myself as an entrepreneur and as a business person. But the thing that really helped the business grow because if people are following the story, I don't have any money. My husband was working with a startup. I don't have any experience. I don't have a network. I'm coming off a lot of um, inexperience of life because I was still really young. And I said, I need to start a business. And the odds were stacked against me. But I knew at the time that uh, social media could really help level the playing field. And that's where I heavily hedged my bets. So what kind of photography were you specializing in? Or, or maybe even, maybe even like as of the last few years, what kind of photography are you known for? Well, I started in uh, through my whole career has only been focused on weddings, which is a very niche market. But it was my exposure to my own wedding that really changed my perspective. That there were people who are creative, and I'm a first generation 
Hispanic American and first generation college. My parents are immigrants. And, you know, to go to college, I earned a scho- an academic scholarship. And so I am, my parents gave me the freedom, the latitude to pursue whatever I wanted. But I also felt this responsibility, like I should be on the safe path. I should be on the predictable path. And I earned a degree in business administration. And then I went to law school on a scholarship because that's just what you do. You know, I mean, this is what I thought was the safe path. And sometimes in life, the safe path isn't always the path you should be on. Life, I believe that I wasn't called to live a comfortable life. I was called to live a passionate life, a curious life, an adventurous life. And I knew that that at my point, at that point in my life, I had to change. So you started dabbling with Instagram, kind of connect the dots on how, uh, how Instagram was useful for your photography business. Absolutely. And so I, well, I'm going to be the first to admit that I was using Instagram wrong when it first started. I was kind of just haphazardly using it. I wasn't being strategic. I wasn't engaging the way that I should. And then about a few years ago, I saw how big Instagram was getting. And I thought I can learn, if I can learn how to use Instagram strategically, then I know that this is just another marketing vehicle for my business. Did Instagram help your business? Oh my goodness. Yes. It was a game changer. It electrified my business. So initially I was using it just haphazardly, you know, what I was eating, the cappuccinos I was drinking, Hey, I'm on vacation. And while I still implement those same personal components to my professional Instagram, I started using so much more strategy in the way that I was approaching it. Okay. So let's, let's transition now that you've shared your story. And I mean, and if I could summarize your story, you basically decided to try photography for one year. Obviously, you stuck with it. You didn't go back to law school. You're not an attorney now. This became your passion. And you discovered Instagram along the way, and you began doing innovative things with your photography on Instagram that attracted other photographers. And along the way, they said, teach me your story. Teach me how I can use Instagram to further my business. Now let's transition into something that's kind of related but not exactly completely related, which is the selling side of Instagram. So I know that today you're focused on helping businesses figure out how to sell whatever services or products they have to sell on Instagram. I want to start by asking, what is the advantage to selling via Instagram? That's great. And, you know, I want to bring your listeners along because sometimes I forget to include three kind of pivotal changing things that happened within my business. One is that I'm proud to say that my mother miraculously recovered from cancer. It was against all odds. And so I know that her life was supposed to be a change of direction. She's like my true north. So it really did change. And then a couple years after starting my business, I was named one of the top 10 photographers in the world, which was incredible considering I never had a camera. And then a couple years after that was named one of the most social influential photographers. And I think that's because of my varied and in, um, intentional use of social media, which included Instagram. Let me, so, pa- let me pause you there for a second. How long have you been actively using Instagram? I actually, before this interview, I had to go back and look. I have been on Instagram for six years. So I was an early wow, so adopter. so you're an old yeah. person when it comes I to Instagram. Know. Yes, I'm the geriatric audience of Instagram. <laughs> yes, when it first came out, I implicitly understood the social value. And I think that was my biggest mistake from um, an entrepreneurial perspective was that I was just using it like to stay connected with my friends. And I it wasn't until I actually understood the value it could have for my business. And that's when I started teaching people how to use it strategically. Cool. So, so why should we use it for story? You know, I mean, for selling. 
What's the advantages when it comes to selling with Instagram? You know, one of my favorite quotes is by Simon Sinek, and he is an author, and he has this amazing TED Talk. And he said, people don't buy what you do. They buy why you do it. And I think that there is no better platform than Instagram to really showcase that because, yes, it's important to have beautiful images. And, yes, it's important to have followers. Yes, but I personally believe that your business will go farther with 200 highly engaged followers than 2,000 people who are simply just watching at a distance, seeing what you're doing. And Instagram is so powerful at storytelling components of your business that it personalizes the experience. It has a deeper and richer experience for customers. And it also has the ability to make customers loyal before the purchase has actually been made. Why do you think that is considering all the other social networks that I'm sure you participate in? What is it? What's the magic sauce to Instagram? Why is that different? There's something powerful about the visual component, about holding it in your hand, about the ease of it and the ability to write a story. Now, um, Instagram limits captions to 87 characters before somebody has to click on the read more button. Mm. So if you can tell a powerful story in less than 87 characters and have a photo that matches what that is and just elevates the storytelling component, you're winning. You're winning the Instagram game. Excellent. All right. Let's get into let's let's transition into some of the tactical stuff here because I know that a lot of people are on Instagram. As a matter of fact, I wouldn't be surprised if most of our listeners are on Instagram, but a lot of them want more, right? They want more, whatever that means to them. They want more followers. They want more interactions. They want more people to watch their Instagram story videos. Um, So I guess the first question is, how do we get discovered by more people? How do we get seen? How do we get found? That's a fantastic question. And it's probably the most, the question I am asked the most. And let's kind of, let's let's view this from a slightly different perspective because the question I get asked the most is how do I get more followers? And my question in response to that is, I want people to ask, how do I get more of the right kind of followers? Because Mm. not all followers are created equal. You know, I don't want followers for followers' sake. I want followers who are going to engage with me, who are going to care about my business, who are going to leave comments and likes and tag their friends and share. Because that is what creates a really relevant account. And now that the Instagram algorithm has been fully unrolled, people are now seeing the after effects of what it means to have a lot of followers who are unengaged. If you have a lot of followers, who are unengaged, then your account isn't indexed high in the algorithm, which results in less people seeing it, which would then result in less people liking and commenting. Preach it, Jasmine. Preach it. (laughs) I've been been talking for a long time about this, and I don't know if I've mentioned this on the podcast, but I think that the introduction of algorithms is forcing us to rethink what is important. And so many social media marketers care about the numbers growing, right? You know, outside of Instagram, more clicks, more people reading my blog, more people sharing my content, more, 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 you know? And, and in reality, the, the question isn't how do I, shouldn't be how do I get more? It's, it's, it should be how do I get right? How do I get more of the right people, right? Because in the end, anybody can buy followers. Yes. Anybody can jerry-rig activities to try to game the algorithm. But when you are trying to sell, which is what we're talking about today, 
it's not about numbers. It's about the right people, right? Absolutely. I think it's Dale Carnegie who said, your business will go farther being genuinely interested in two other people than trying to get 2,000 people interested in you. And I couldn't agree with that more. And it's so prevalent on Instagram, all things being equal. If there's a follower who has 200 followers, I mean, if there's an account that has 200 followers and routinely gets 20 likes and two comments, and there's another Instagram account with 2,000 followers that routinely gets 20 likes and two comments, all other things being equal with the algorithm, the account that has less followers will be more likely to be seen because they are perceived as more relevant. And that's the thing that people need to consider now that Instagram is changing. So now that we've attacked the question of it's not (laughs) about more followers, it's about the right people seeing it. How do we get the right people to see our stuff? That's fantastic. So my advice always has been to create an ideal client profile. What you want to do always is to put yourself not in the shoes of you as a marketer or you as an entrepreneur. It's to put yourself in the shoes of your ideal client. Where is this person on Instagram? Why are they on Instagram? Do you know what purpose your Instagram account is serving? Are you um, are you an educator? Do you give helpful tips and advice? And the thing that you have to consider first and foremost is that you're your Instagram account is not for you and your Instagram account is not for your business. Your Instagram account is to serve a purpose for those who are following you. Your entire business trajectory should be, how can I create value for my followers? That is how you grow your audience. That's how you nurture your audience. And in order to start attracting other people into your sphere, Well, you need to start engaging with your followers. So I set aside a time about five to 10 minutes every morning. So for new followers who follow, I go and I see who my most recent followers are and I'll go over to their accounts and I'll just leave leave a note on one of their photos or I'll like a few of their pictures. I'll also surf very popular hashtags on Instagram that I feel not my competitors are using, not my industry peers are using. I want to go to hashtags that my ideal client is using. And then I want to be engaging with the people who are using that hashtag to ensure that they say, oh, who is this person? Then they come back to my account and they say, does Jasmine Star offer value to my life, to my business, to my Instagram account? And if the answer is yes, then that is how you grow the right kind of follower. Now, one of the questions that I know I've been thinking about and we've been talking about on our live show is the business account. And the big question and a big fear, frankly, amongst a lot of social media marketers is, If I go ahead and switch my Instagram profile over to a business account, am I going to be penalized in the same way that Facebook pages are penalized, right? I mean, this has got to be the buzz on the street. What's your take on whether or not we should or should not convert our personal, if you will, Instagram account to a business account? That's a very good question. I actually have a detailed blog post as to why I will not be switching to a business account for those exact reasons. I loved, I still love Facebook. I think it's this powerful, amazing mechanism for my business. And I'm there every single day as well as on Instagram. However, I have noticed that with the algorithm, the most recent algorithm change for Facebook, that my, my organic reach on my Facebook page has plummeted. And I hate even just saying that. And I know that because Facebook has been quite open, that they're no longer indexing Facebook pages the way that they are personal Facebook pages. And as a result, I think that those algorithm considerations are going to apply very much so to Instagram as well. Now, I teach an Instagram for business course called Insta180. And a lot of my students who had gone from a personal account to a business account said that they saw that their interaction had diminished as well. So when they noticed that they switched back to having like a standard Instagram account and were able to kind of replenish the traction that they had lost. 
Oh, that brings up a good point. So you can flip back and forth, huh? You can, but my only concern is it's as if you are, you know, flagging your account for like this flip-flop. And so I don't even want to go and flag my account as having once been a business account and went back to a personal account because I think that people at Instagram are really smart. They're going to catch on quickly. Is there any advantage? Like, do they provide extra analytics or extra advertising features that you cannot get on your personal account? Or is that not there currently? So I found a workaround. Okay. So if you have a business account, you are granted accessibility to analytics for your account. However, if you create an advertisement on Facebook to go into Instagram, you are still eligible to get the analytics for your Instagram account without changing it to a business account. So that was super helpful. Um, now, I think that at Instagram for Business works really well if you have like a physical location because you can call or you can text directly from the Instagram app and then you can get directions to your physical location. But by and large, a lot of online marketers aren't having people roll up to their offices, studios, or homes. Mm-hmm. So it's not necessarily a, a weighted benefit in my perspective. Got it. That's a good clarity point. And I remember that coming out in the last few months here where if you have a physical location, I think if I'm not mistaken, you can put your hours of operation. Absolutely. And I think you can link to somehow uh, a map or the phone number or something yes. like that, right? All, all, all of the above. And they're considering rolling out this ability to have ratings. So it's basically like this Yelp meets Instagram directly in one app, which a lot of physical business owners might find very valuable. Now, let's state this clearly. You might be listening to this podcast in the future And it may be that the only way to get these kinds of functions like analytics and and special features may be that they you have to have a business account because the day might come just like it is with the personal profile on Facebook where there are unique valuable benefits to having a Facebook page that you just never get on your personal profile so I wouldn't be surprised if that day comes but it sounds like right now most of the major benefits that are available on the business account can be accessible to the personal profile if you already have an ads account on Facebook. And as long as that remains the case, you're recommending that you don't necessarily mess around with trying out with a business account. Is that correct? Absolutely. Okay. So let's get into selling. I know you have a process and um, why don't you walk us through it? Because I'll be honest, um, at Social Media Examiner, we have found it kind of hard to sell on Instagram and it's not quite as intuitive as, as it is on some of the other social networks. So, uh, you know, talk us through it. What, what do we need to know when we're thinking about actually trying to sell a product or ourselves or a service on Instagram? That's a really fantastic question. And as much as I would love for all businesses and services and products to be equal, they're not. So what I've noticed through working with a variety of entrepreneurs is that high ticket service items are extraordinarily difficult to sell um, on Instagram. And I think that admission to social media examiner is kind of not at the peak of that, but really close to it because we're working with multiple figures and it's not just the cost of admission. It's the cost of hotel and flight and all of those things. Oh, you mean, you mean, you mean our conference, social media marketing? Yes, 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 yes. So to sell something like that directly from Instagram for like a push to click is much harder than saying if I was making handmade jewelry and I had an Etsy store, you know, a $14 purchase is easier to make on Instagram. However, along that spectrum, the more that you are able to walk your followers along the journey, the higher likelihood the conversion to sale is 
it, the more the higher likelihood the conversions to sale will actually happen. And I've, I follow your account on Instagram and I see how well every day you're posting stories, every day you're having photos, every day you're giving sneak peeks into what the conference is about. And I think that over time, um, the conversions will actually happen with easy, with yeah, with ease and clarity. Yeah, let, now, let, let me clarify what we do just because I think it, just if I could spend a quick minute on this. So we learned a long time ago that we were doing Instagram all wrong as everybody eventually does, right? And um, what we were doing was we were trying to link to our articles <laughs> and every day we would put a graphic uh, up there and then change our bio link and it just wasn't working. And I finally had the revelation and I said to my team, and I do have a team, and I said, hey, let's do this. Why don't we just take a lot of the professional photography work that was done at the conference and let's create graphics that have quotes from some of the higher profile speakers that were there, you know, quote graphics. And we'll literally take, we had tracked some of the most popular tweets that happened during our sessions. And we also had access to all the video recordings. So we created this slew of images that were really just like quotes from experts that people love to share on Instagram. And we had our social media marketing world logo in the corner. Some were videos, some were stills. And we literally just published like one of those a day for an entire year. And we grew that account like crazy because the people that were following the account all of a sudden were the people that were fans of the speakers that were at the conference because those speakers were often, you know, referencing or resharing those things. And, um, and, 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 and we decided to exclusively dedicate this account to the conference. It's the only account in any social network that is exclusively dedicated just to our, our product and not all the other things that we do. And we've grown it enormously and we're just now beginning to advertise to that particular account. So that was our strategy. I don't know if that's good or bad, but it, so far it seems to be working for us. I think it's a fantastic strategy. And I think it's a fantastic strategy because you, you're, the people who follow you know clearly what they're getting, what their expectations are, um, the value for them. The value is that they get business inspiration. They get a sneak peek. They get to see people who they admire. There's inherent understanding of looking at the Instagram grid and saying, I get it. And a lot of, the a lot of mistakes that I see entrepreneurs making is that when you go to an Instagram account, you cannot figure out what they do or the services that they provide. And when you click on the profile, you'll You'll see profiles. I see this often. Um, something like um, beach lover. You'll find me in the kitchen. I like pink. Mom of three. And I'm like, okay, but what, what, what value is this giving me as a new follower? What are you trying to sell? What do you do? And so if you have a profile that clearly itemizes, if you have 15 seconds to, to woo a new viewer, you need to tell them what you're about. You need to let them know that they are seen, felt, and heard. And then you need to create value for them. And I think that's the inception of the sales process on Instagram. Talk to me a little bit about the types of um, photography or images that we should use, because obviously you're a photographer, and I know that I know that images is obviously you've made it very clear is what's what is what it's all about. So what what do we need to know when it comes to using photography, and how can we be smart about using photography to somehow sell our product? Absolutely. So I'm going to be honest. I don't know if your listeners are going to care about my perspective, but they might really care about studies. And studies have shown that the photos that perform the best on Instagram are naturally lit photos. So photos that are really dark or illuminated with a flash, um, they don't perform as well. Um, photos that have too much variance of colors, like a, a lot of different colors going on, don't do as well. Colors that have a very distinct hue, like if you're looking at it and your eye goes to one particular color in the frame, it works very well. Give us Life's an example of what that means. 
Um, so for instance, uh, let's say that I'm walking in a desert and I'm wearing a red jacket. That photo will perform much better than me wearing a red jacket walking down the streets of New York City. Because of the contrast? Absolutely. Got it. And the eye can draw clearly into something. Photos with um, a, dis- a direct, clear line of action, you, you can look at it and you immediately understand these people are laughing. These people are sad. This is really funny. This is supposed to draw me in. Those perform extraordinarily well. Now, photos that have um, photos that don't perform really well, dark photos, photos that have a lot of collages don't do well. Photos that have too much writing on it don't do well. You said photos that had a really clear line of action. Like, how do we create that? Explain what you mean by that. So, great question, Mike. Okay, so we've all seen these Instagram photos where there's like a group of two or three people and their arms are slung around each other and they're looking directly at the camera. Okay, these people are looking at the camera. But the same three people could have a candid photo either by laughing, looking at each other, somebody dropped something, somebody's laughing. The picture that will by and large get a lot more reactions and thus be perceived as more relevant on Instagram would be the one that's actually showing a clear line of something happening. Because people looking at the camera with that cheesy Kodak smile, people aren't it's, – it's not – it doesn't convey anything. It's fake. So for almost like purposes. a – I've referred to this as journalistic photography, uh, pictures that were clearly taken during some sort of action. Is that what I hear you saying? That weren't posed? Is that the idea? Yeah, I like that fancy word. It's photojournalistic. It is. Yes. So, I mean, and obviously you've learned this from photographing weddings, right? So, I mean, you could just get a bunch of people look at the camera or you could try to get that moment where that ring slips on the finger, right? And her reaction or something, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And beyond that, beyond being a photographer, again, I don't think, I don't consider what I care about as a purveyor and user of Instagram. I care about my end user. So as I'm creating educational products for entrepreneurs to use Instagram, I have to say, what is that person? What is my ideal client looking for? on Instagram? Um, what are the images that I'm drawn to as, um, as a viewer of Instagram? And how, how can I recreate those moments for my account that are real to the brand and further the business? How do you know when you're putting pictures up there that, like, how, how can we analyze? Because it sounds like you're somewhat analytical. How do we know whether this kind of, you know, how do we take a look at our past pictures and decide which ones seem to resonate best with our audience so that we can be smart about creating more of those kinds of pictures? Uh, great question. And I know that they have these analytic tools for Instagram, but I don't use any of them. I'm extraordinarily analytic, but very old school too. I will uh, track my analytics every two weeks. So I'll sit down and I'll take a measurement of what were the images, what type of images performed the best, which got the most likes, comments, who did which image got a lot of tagging. I love when people tag from my account because it's basically a billboard, like come see what's happening on this Instagram account. So I keep track of those three things um, with a lot of clarity. And then I'll kind of, I kind of create for like myself, just like a little grid. Oh, this one was good. Now there isn't like a, a foolproof plan, but when I can say, Hey, people seem to like this, let me see if I could recreate this type of image. And then I'm going to test it again. And there are just some images that consistently perform well in my account, like donuts. People seem to love when I post about donuts and they seem to like, uh, unfortunately, which makes me feel a little vain, but the, the pictures that kind of perform the best in my account are when I'm actually out and about doing my thing, running a business, eating donuts. With a donut? (laughs) (laughs) With a donut. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That should be my next shot. I need to be at the beach with donuts and my iPhone. We'll test that one. I'll let you know how it goes. (laughs) (laughs) What about how important are hashtags? I know you mentioned it brevi- uh, previously, but are they critical or and how many should we use and so on and so forth? 
Okay, so Instagram has limited the uses of hashtag to 30 hashtags. Now, I encourage entrepreneurs who are really just trying to be seen to use all 30, but you have to be strategic because not all hashtags are created equal. You don't necessarily want to defer to the to the most popular hashtag because if there's a lot of people using a hashtag, the chances of your image being found and seen minimizes. Now you're just one of 700,000 photos. Now I recommend diversifying the use of hashtags. So of the 30 hashtags, you want to have five really popular hashtags. See, you never know what happens being in that big mix. And then you want to have five that are geographically uh, pertaining to your product or service. So if you have a gym in Oklahoma City, you would probably want to hashtag OKC gym or Oklahoma City gym. So these are things that are going to be geographic proximity to you. And then you're also going to put yourself as if you have a CrossFit gym, well, you should be having CrossFit hashtags. So you have to break down your hashtags to diversify them and want to use all 30 to in order to attract your ideal customer. What about the ratio between between uh, posts that are um, in with the intent to directly sell versus posts that are more to do other things like entertain or inform? What, what should be that ideal ratio? It, it depends on the product line and it depends how expensive the product is. So, um, for instance, when I, I'm currently in the middle of a launch for my Instagram for business course, but it, the cart is only open for one week. So during this week, all seven days, I am, um, offering, uh, value and keeping my photos the same, but I am also mentioning that the cart is open. Now, outside of these seven days, I'm just consistently creating value for my customers, my followers. Now, if I had, say, like a jewelry line that was like a lower ticket item, then I probably would create th- three valuable pieces of content like, oh, here's how I source the jewelry or 10% of the proceeds go to um, funding an orphanage in Croatia. And then here I am on vacation with going out the night on the town and I'm wearing the necklace. And then the next day I would say, if you want to get this necklace, this is where you would go. So I kind of find like for a low ticket item, a ratio of three gives to one ask work really well on Instagram. Is there any particular, in your opinion, best practice for the number of posts we should put up per day? It really depends. And again, this goes back and I'm going to sound like a broken record, but I know with certainty that this is the thing that works. When you create a foundation of who you are speaking to and how they want to be spoken to, then you can answer. I follow Instagrammers who post four times a day. Now, if I tried posting four times a day, that would drive my followers crazy. For me and my business and my ideal client, posting once a day every day with consistency has been my kind of like my little gold mine. But I know that other businesses work very differently. Now, there was a time prior to the Instagram algorithm where the posts were chronological and Instagrammers were like, I can post four times a day. You know, I just want to be seen. But the amount of activity on Instagram doesn't necessarily increase with the amount of photos that you're producing. It's probably broken up between the four photos. So if you used to get 100 likes on on a photo, now that if you post four photos, you might just get 25 likes on each of those photos, which could maybe make your account be looked at as less relevant. And that's the thing you don't want to do. So that is why the algorithm was introduced. It's to protect followers from being bombarded by a constant barrage of photos that are just promotional. Does it ever make sense to go into your archives and, and um, reuse an image, you know, and post it as an original again? What's your thoughts on that? I mean, if... If, it, if there's enough time between the images, because statistics have shown, which is why the algorithm was introduced to begin with, is that followers 
on average follow 400 to 500 Instagram accounts. And people were only seeing, even when Instagram was chronological, they were only seeing 30% of their accounts. Now that the algorithm has been reintroduced, people are still just seeing 30% of their of the accounts that they follow. So there's a good chance that the large majority of your audience hasn't seen the photo that you had previously posted. However, the only caveat was you want to make sure that you're not posting the same photo like once a week for three weeks. It's like let a few weeks pass or a month pass and then try it again. But you do, probably don't want to make a habit of it because then your account just looks stale. What's your thoughts on paid advertising on Instagram? Have you experimented with it? Are you mostly focused on the organic side? What's What's your thoughts on that? By and large, I really like to create my business around warm traffic, so a lot of engagement. But I absolutely, so when I have my cart open for my Instagram for Business course, I will run ads on Instagram because it seems like that's what the, it makes the most sense. Now, um, on Instagram, you can like boost one of your photos, but I think it's the Facebook analytics are so much far more robust than what they are available, at least at this moment for Instagram. So I'm creating the ad in Facebook and then putting it within Instagram. Asking for the sale is is um, something that a lot of people don't think to do. And in particular, I think that Instagram stories kind of gives you a new medium, if you will, right? To say, hey, we have a special offer that's ending tomorrow, right? And I'm just curious, what are your thoughts about asking for the sale, um, either on a regular post and or on an Instagram story? I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. I think it's great. And the only caveat to using Instagram specifically for sales is that because people feel like it's such a personal medium, like they're holding it in their hands, it's on their cell phone, they're in it, their friends are using it as much as people they're following just for entertainment, educational, um, retail experiences, is that it's best to sell on Instagram by way of value. It's best to sell on Instagram by way of solving a problem or making somebody's life life easier. So when I am um, creating an ad on Instagram, I'm not necessarily saying buy my Instagram course, even though ultimately that is what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, are you are you trying to make a sale on Instagram? Are you tired of not being noticed? Would you like to have more conversations? So I'm positioning it as a way of, if you want a solution to what you're experiencing, I have a solution for you, not buy my course, it's amazing. So I think that specifically with stories, because it is so much more personal where I'm looking into the camera, it's like, hey, I want to have a real conversation with you, not I'll buy my Instagram course, it's on sale. Right. And and I'm with you, but at the same time, if you do have a cart that's closing in your particular case, right? Why wouldn't it be in your best interest to say, hey, for those of you that might have missed it, um, I if you want to check out my course, it does close tomorrow. I, I can't see a problem with doing that once in a while. What's your thoughts on that? Oh, I'm, I'm, you will see me doing that on Monday when my cart closes <laughs> on Tuesday. And you know, the, the Cause, cause it's more personal because it's actually you talking to the camera and, Absolutely. and you could, while you could still do that in an Instagram post, there's something special about the story in this particular case. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. What's your thoughts on that? No, you're not wrong, but let's just get a little bit more analytical. Cause clearly that's just how I think is now Instagram has announced that they're going to be putting stories in the explore tab, which I think is really great and powerful because if there are other people people who are following other Instagram educators or people who are in, um, interested in Instagram marketing, if I have a story um, and I'm promoting a particular thing and it happens to be in the Explore tab, I could be discovered by somebody who I was never on the radar to begin with. So that in and of itself is advantageous from a business perspective. And in that regard, you obviously, they're not going to put something in the, in that tab unless it's really valuable content, right? So if you're Absolutely. always selling with story, then that's not going to necessarily help you. 
Well, Jasmine, we have just scratched the surface of what can be done with Instagram and all the cool things that you are doing uh, for your clients and for yourself. Um, where can people discover more about you and all the cool things you've got going on? Absolutely. I would love to connect with your followers on my website, Insta180, I-N-S-T-A-180, because we want we want people to make a 180 degree change for their Instagram account and use it strategically for a business. You can shoot me an email there and you can find me at my personal website, jasminestar.com and on all social media at jasminestar. So it's insta180.com. Is that correct? It is. Excellent. And then they can, if they want to follow you on Instagram, it's jasminestar. It is. Excellent. Jasmine, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so, so much. Well, I hope you found a lot of value in today's show. If there was anything that we mentioned and you didn't catch it, we take all the notes for you at socialmediaexaminer.com slash 225. Also, if you're brand new to this show, hit that subscribe button on your podcast player of choice. We've got an amazing lineup of future shows coming your way. This brings us to the end of yet another episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner. I'll be back with you in the driver's seat next week. I hope you make the absolute best out of your day and may social media continue to change your world. The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. Hey, just a quick reminder, join the Social Media Marketing Society today and level up your marketing for your company or your clients. Visit smmarketingsociety.com to find out more.